0: What want you to think about that moment, 1992 in Barcelona, Spain. Derek Redmond, the favorite to win the 400-meter run. Think about his whole life leading up to that moment. It was interesting. Jessica had no clue what I was going to be talking about today. But really, it ties in beautifully with that. To think that as you go through life like Derek Redmond, and at age 7, you begin to run, and you realize that's your thing, the thing that you're created to do. And you run. And you run better than anyone else. And you can marry that over in your life of what it is that you're called to do because Derek Redmond was called to run and to run great. In 1984, he set national records and he was a British runner. All throughout Great Britain, he set records. He won at the national level in 1986, breaking uh, the world record in the 400 meter. Four years previous, previous to 1992 when he was in 88 in the, in the Olympics, he actually had an injury and had to, had to bow out gracefully. And then he pushed back in and he, and he worked and he trained harder than ever leading up to the Barcelona Games in 1992. And in this pivotal moment, think about that for just a moment, 400 meters and everything that he was, everything that he was created to be rested in this one 400-meter race. And as the pistol goes off and he begins to run, everybody on the track knew that Derek Redmond would win that race. Everyone knew it. And as he ran, he, he came around the first turn, and lo and behold, he, he felt the shooting pain through his, through his hamstring. He tore his hamstring. No question about it. The race was over. Everything that he had been created to do, everything that he was destined to do, all of his accolades, all of his trophies. All of his efforts, everything hinged on this one moment in time, one pivotal moment, and he fell to the ground. It was completely over, but there was something in him, some intestinal fortitude in him that was a winner, that went beyond the scope of injury, that went beyond the scope of failure, that went beyond the scope of falling down in the race, and he got up. And, of course, the judges and the people did what they would have been taught to do and protocol would have would have called for. He went up to him and said, hey, it's okay, you're you're done. And he, he paid them no mind. He just started walking and, and hobbling along. And he went about another 80 meters. And as you saw, Jim Redmond, this large African-American man, came out of the gallery. Check it out. He went over the wall. You see the metaphor. He went over the wall from being a spectator to being involved in the point of picking up his son, his precious son. And he picked him up, and of course he did as he's going by the, the gallery, and the judges would have stopped. And, no, 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 you can't come down here. He, he had too, was paying it no mind. Why? Because he had also that intestinal fortitude, that can't stop, that must win, that must finish mentality of I've got to finish the race, and I've got to help my son finish the race. And he picked him up, and he began to whisper in his son's ear, you don't have to do this. But his son wasn't having it. He said, no, I have to finish See, it was no longer, hear me church, it was no longer about winning the race. It, it became, it became a, a secondary issue about hanging a, a, a medal around his neck, whether it be bronze or silver or gold. I mean, it was not about a trophy. It wasn't about an accolade. It wasn't about going down in the history books. In fact, if you go into the annals of Olympian history today, you will read that Derek Redmond did not even finish the race. Think about that. I mean, all that it took him to push through the pain and the embarrassment. and the You're the top, top guy, and you're the guy that's going to take it. You're going to take gold, no question about it. Everything hinged on that moment. But if you read the history books today, he did not, quote, unquote, did not even finish the race. Because as it were, protocol according to Olympian sports, if anyone assists a a, a competitor, the race is over. The competition is over. But there was more stake for Derek Redmond it was not about the trophy it was about finishing and see what I believe true today that as he walked across that finish line the greatness in Derek Redmond really rained out more than anything that any man could have ever said or given him or any accolade or any endorsement he knew that he shouldn't have finished but in his mind watch this regardless of what man said regardless of what the history book said he finished his race See, he didn't finish the race. He was disqualified from that one. But he finished his race. You see, because as you advance forward in the Olympian history... Dare Redmond didn't finish the race, didn't win any awards, but he went down in Visa and Nike and MasterCard and all of these people that wanted to come by and say, can we use this clip, man? This clip is, is top-notch. Why? Because it just speaks so highly of the Olympian uh, athlete in perseverance. In fact, if you go and study and you pull up 1992 Barcelona, Spain, 400-meter run, I submit to you that the winner of that race will not be spoken of it would be Derek Redmond everywhere you google it it'll come up Derek Redmond because he spoke to the idea that I think we need to understand today not only in our culture but most definitely in our faith walk is that that is we've got to finish our race i got to finish my journey i got to finish my course listen the world may not get it the world may not understand what I'm doing. They may not understand that I'm going to keep getting up, and I'm going to keep pressing in, and I'm going to keep running. And the world may not understand that when my marriage is about to fall, that it's okay to turn it all over to God, dig in deeper, and take another step. Injuries all withstanding, but getting up and pressing on. The world may not understand when you've, you've been fired from a job, and you got another job, and temporary services laid you off. But there's something in you that says, no, 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 i got to finish my race. i got to finish my journey. The world may not understand it. When you're living for God and all hell breaks loose in your world and you lose a child or some your child is born in a condition and you don't understand it, and, and there's something in you that says, yeah, I've been wounded, I've been shot, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep pressing on. The world doesn't get that. But there's something in you that says, I can't quit, I can't roll over, I can't give in. Why? Because the world is watching you. And everything you do as a child of the Most High God is reflected upon the Holy Spirit that's in you that becomes the outflow of you finishing your race. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 and 16, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. But a man that's not righteous, he falls once and he's destroyed. The unrighteous falls one time and it ends their race. It ends their progression. Why? Because an unrighteous man, a person outside the power of the Holy Spirit operating in and through them, they don't have that thing that you and I have that allows us, that deutomous, that power, that dynamite in us through the Holy Spirit that says, hey, I'll pick you up. See, because the reality is, it's my daddy stepped over the wall of timelessness and entered into time. He stepped over the wall of glory and entered into humanity. He stepped over the wall of majesty and he entered into a manger, into a human form and he picked me up and he said, I I will finish this race with you. You see, the reality is, is I'm not walking alone. I don't have to do it by myself. I don't feel like running. There is a sharp pain in my heart, and I wanted everything in. Derek Redmond, he said later in the interview, wanted to lay over and say, It's over. What is the point? If anybody had the right to lay over and say, man, I'm out, I'm done. 20 years had invested into that one pivotal moment. And by all accounts, he failed. But he didn't fail. He finished his race. I want to bring you a sermon very quickly today entitled simply this. Quitting is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Look to your neighbor say, you can't quit now. Look to the person behind you, in front of you, say, you can't quit either big disclaimer today maybe you need to just tell yourself this pat yourself on the chest and say you're gonna fall but you got to keep getting up you see the reality is is we will fall but the Christian life is not based upon the falls but it's based upon the rising up it's not based upon the times that we fall. That's not the measure of our faith. That's not the measure of our Christian wall. See, that goes against the grain of everything in our culture. Because let me tell you something. The world would tell you that if you just keep hitting the wall and you keep failing and you keep failing, maybe you're doing the wrong thing. Pull away. Back away from it. But see, the Bible says that, listen, you're not measured by the fall, but how many times you can rise up and keep going. Let's give you three Simple, simple points that I believe will drive this point home today. And I believe that as we're reminded of Derek Redmond and we're reminded of his father, that we can metaphorically parallel that to Jesus who stepped out of heaven, stepped onto the racetrack and went past all the stuff, went past the naysayers, went past all the hate, went past the cross, went all the way through, was glorified, resurrected, and after the Holy Spirit picks me up, Psalms 3 said, he's the lifter of my head and he's picked me up and he's walking with me. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be mad. But here's what I know to be true today. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is this God's not done with you yet. You are a work in progress. Listen, you're not all that you're supposed to be yet. If you have breath in your lungs, man, if you're living and you have blood flowing through your veins, God is not done with you yet. Listen, you are a work in progress. Listen to the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 2. Listen to what he says. Ah, wherefore seeing we are also compassed or surrounded about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Watch what he says. Let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say every weight. And every sin. Say every sin. Notice, watch what he does. He separates the two. The writer separates the two between. Not only is there a weight in your life that may be holding you down, but there's also a sin. You know what that tells me? To rightly divide the word of truth. I realize that everything in our life that may not be a sin, but there might be some weights in our life. Some things that's holding us down to reaching our full God-given potential. Guess what? It might be family. You might be putting family before your relationship with God. That can become a weight in your life. You might be putting your college degree or your, or your job or your career or, or your advancement in the athletic world. It could be a number of things. It could be finances. You could be putting the mighty dollar. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. It's easy to look out and see the sins that are in our life that we need to lay aside. But is it easy to identify those things that might be good things in our life, maybe great things in our life, but may not be the best things in our life? And watch what he said, laying aside every weight and sin that does so easily, beset us, or entangle us, or ensnare us. That's another way of looking at it. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let me translate that into Mark terms. Let me run my race with patience that is set before me. i got to run my race. And my race may be different than your race. Your race is different than mine, and yours is different than your neighbor. And guess what? Check this out. People may not understand the race that you're running. They may not get the call that's been imparted upon you by the Holy Spirit of God, the race that you're to run. Wow, watch what he says. He said, looking unto Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. That was really quiet. Say Jesus. There's no other name. He's the name above all names. The only name under heaven by which men must be saved. He is the name above all names. He is the name higher than heaven and earth. Watch this. But he is the name that we can call upon because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Who, watch this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father on the throne of God. God is actively, actively participating, working, working, blowing in and out of your life. It may not feel like it right now. It may feel like God's a million miles away, Jessica, but check it out. He's right there in the middle, intimately. Think about Lazarus and how they would have called on, on Jesus to come. Hey, your, your friend Lazarus, he's sick. Come. Come come and heal him. And listen, we want that. We want healing from sicknesses. I get that. But the beauty and the majesty was not that Jesus would have shown up and Bethany had said, Lazarus, be healed. He waited for him to die. He waited for him to be buried and in the ground four days, and then he came. And stepped out on the scene and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he called out the word of life. I submit to you, child of God, the greater glory there was not that he healed him, but that he raised him from the dead. Sometimes God will let you completely kill over and feel like you're at death's door. And then he'll step on your scene and he'll say, now get up. Now the glory can be manifested. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. If you put those two words together, it simply means this. He's a developer of my faith. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. It says we're saved through through grace by faith. That's That's the vehicle by which we're saved, through the grace of God. We have to believe in it. We have to confess it. We have to live like we believe it. We're justified by faith. We live from faith to faith. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the starting point. He is the sustainer. Colossians 1.17 says he holds all things by him. By him all things consist, Steve. He's the holder of all things. He's not only the one who let the sun come up. He's not only the one who, who put the moon in the sky that controls the tides of the earth. He is the sustainer. He's the one that starts it. He's the one that sustains it. And guess what? Check it out. He is the goal of all things. Hebrews 11, chapter 33, verse th- through 35 says that there is an unfathomable, unknowing God out there that goes to the depths and the riches, both of knowledge of God. He goes down into the depths of who we are, and then we realize that we can't, we have not been His counselor. We can't understand Him. We don't have the mind of God, but then the Holy Spirit moves in, and then we get to Romans 12, and 1 and 2 where He says, I beseech you, brethren, I urge you, I beg of you, present your bodies a living sacrifice which is holy and acceptable unto you to God how how do we know him we know him because he's allowed himself to be known through his scriptures and through the Holy Spirit who indwells our life God's not done with you yet keep running the race be patient secondly not only is he still working on us but check this out out, because we have a clear perception not only we're a work in progress but there's a there's a clear perspective a clear perception a clear picture this, this hanging out there in this thing we're calling the race. See, for Derek Redmond, it was a finish line at the end of the 400 meters. There was, a, there was a crowd that was watching that day, like the Hebrews writers. There's people watching. Some are saying, yes, yeah, stay down, stay down, because they wanted their team to win. Can I tell you something? When you fall, I know this is not going to sit well with some of you, but when you fall and you have a difficult time in your life, there's some people that are saying, I hope he stays down. But there's others. That are cheering you on and saying, get up. You can do it. God's not done with you yet. God's using your story to write a testimony. He's using this mess to give you a message. But check it out. There's got to be a clear picture in front of us. Where are we going? What's the object of our faith? What's the the finish line for us? Philippians 3, 13-14 says it this way. Brothers and sisters, brethren, he says, I do not count myself having apprehended, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Let me tell you why I say that. Because sometimes I think we have have made... Religion so prescriptive, and you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to live this way, and you can't listen to that music, and you can't wear your hair that way. And if you do this, and oh my gosh, and man, let me tell you something. He says, But this one thing I do, I like that because the one thing I do is just when I trusted Jesus as the Lord of my life to be my Savior, to be the motor inside my faith, and check it out the Holy Spirit living through me. I don't have to keep up with a list of all the do's and don'ts of what I did do and didn't do, and where I failed, and where I turned right. He says, No, no, no. You have been made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ you are great you are beautiful you are wonderful not because of you but because of me this one thing I do he says watch this forgetting those things which are behind I like to say it this way akuna matata I'm serious I like to say it that way and when I'm really having a tough time I just say freaking matata because here's the deal I really sometimes just need to put my past behind me Some of y'all need to kuna matata. That's what you need to do. Y'all need to go down today and watch Lion King and have a theological spiritual moment. Kuna matata. Because some of you guys are living in the past. You're living in, in who you used to be. You're living in what once was. And the reality is God wants to do a new work in your life. And you're dragging along the old you, the old man, the, the, the nature that failed, the nature and the sin that's, that's in you. We're all enemies of God from the moment of conception. And But watch this. But when I step into Jesus and I call upon him to save me, I'll become a new creature in Christ. Watch this. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if I don't walk in the newness of life, watch this. I'm just dragging around the frustrations of yesterday. As the band comes, listen to me. Stare a hole through me for a moment. Some of you need to forgive yourself. Last week we talked about forgiveness. And how sometimes forgiveness seemed impossible. Remember, I talked to you about laying that person at the feet of Jesus and saying, you know what? That person is not going to be the monkey on my back any further. I'm drawing the line in the sand today, and I'm turning that person over to a holy God. Not hoping that God will hurt them or God will tumble them down the steps, but that God will give them freedom and God will give them forgiveness. Because today, I choose to forgive them. I'll release them from the hurt they've caused me in my life. And see, when I do that, check this out, I wake up tomorrow morning and I don't have that thing, Lee, pressing down on my shoulders and on my back. Because you know what the enemy does? When I get up in the morning and, 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 and if I allow him, if I don't hit the word of God first thing and pray first thing, the enemy will jump on my back before I can even get to the coffee pot. And he'll start to whisper in my ear and tell me all those things that I did wrong. He'll tell me all those things where I fail. And you know what else? He'll remind me of the people that's hurt me, and I'll put that thing on my back like a like a chain and a shackle. And I'll wear that thing the rest of the day. And I'm kind of frustrated. And I and heaven forbid I see that person. Hey You know, hey, you know, you do that, and we do that. Just being honest. But when I lay that thing at the feet of Jesus, I say, God, today I choose not to carry that any further. Today I laid at your feet. I turned them, watch this, I turned them over to you, not to your wrath. I know that's what you want to do. I turn them over to your grace. Because some of you know, hurt people hurt people. People don't just arbitrarily walk into your life deciding that they're going to destroy you. They too have been hurt by someone. Make no mistake about that, brethren. I count myself having not apprehended. You know what? You know what he's saying here. You know what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. He's saying, I, "I've written the word. I've preached the message. I've been a missionary. I've been shipwrecked. I've been bruised. I've been beaten. I've been. I've been." Um, all of these things bitten by a serpent, and watch—he says, "But but these are but small things." And guess what? As big as I am, live, hear me, because Second Corinthians chapter two verses, or chapter twelve verses nine through eleven and twelve says this: that that, that Paul was sent a thorn in his flesh, though to, so that he may not think more of himself than he should. If anybody in the world could have lived in spiritual piety, could have had been high-minded, or could have been very self-centered and thought they had arrived, it would have been the Apostle Paul. But he said, "You know what?" He says, "But one thing I do for." Getting the things which are behind and reaching. Everybody do like that. Reach out. Come on now. Just reach out and grab it. Reach out for those things which are ahead. And I love this. i press toward the goal for the prize, which is the upward call of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I want you to hear me. I'm almost done. Don't, less, don't, don't mess this. The prize was not the big church. The prize was not the the big money fund and the prize was not the big concert and the prize was not Paul being the missionary above missionaries. The church planter. Extraordinaire. Paul didn't say that. Look what he said. I don't realize that I have Throw that verse back. I don't think that I have arrived. I don't think I've landed. I had cornered the market on spirituality. In fact, if you really read the Pauline epistles, you know what he said? I'm the chiefest among sinners. I am the worst of the worst. he's writer of nearly two thirds of the New Testament God help us to to walk in that kind of humility but yet in a boldness and a confidence where he says I haven't arrived but I'm putting those things that are behind me guess where I'm putting them behind me and I'm reaching towards those things which are ahead of me the potential that lies ahead of me I might be wounded I might have a shot in my side I might have tore my spiritual hamstring where let me tell you something get up and drag that limb behind you and reach out and grab those things which lie ahead and watch this why because he said I press toward the goal of the prize which is the high calling in Jesus Christ what's the prize the prize is the fact that God called your name the prize is that God said I can use you I can use your mess that's the prize the prize is not the stuff the prize is the high calling the fact that he cared enough to even reach down from glory and say I know your name and I'm going to use your story that's the prize it's imperative that we set aside distractions and keep pursuing Jesus with everything in us step out on the unknown today, the great unknown like Peter when he walked upon the water I love that story because there's really two accounts where he saw Jesus in a storm one was before his resurrection. You remember what he said? Jesus, if it's, if it's you bid me, allow me, call me, let me come out upon the water with you. You know what he didn't do? He didn't say, "Lord, give me the ability to walk on the water." He just said, "Let me come to you." He says, "Come on, Peter." Peter just he stepped out on the water. Wouldn't that be cool if I could do this right here and just walk across the top and never touch anything? The faith that Peter had was, "I'm going to walk out of the, I'm going to walk out of the comfort zone of this boat." And I'm going to step out in the great unknown. And he began to walk on top of the water. He's walking to Jesus because his eyes are on Jesus. He walks upon the circumstances beneath him. And nothing moves him. And then all of a sudden, he gets this humanity moment. And he looks down. And he goes, oh, what am I doing? And he begins to sink. The Bible says he begins to sink. doesn't say he sunk. Anybody ever tried to walk on water? You sink. You don't begin to do nothing. You sink. You go down like a brick. But the Bible says he began to sink those two words save me and Jesus reached down his hand and he grabbed him and he pulled him back on the water and as long as he was holding the hand of Jesus they just kind of walked across the water again there was another account where after Jesus died on the cross after he came back and he's standing, standing on the sea and they're like going, whoa whoa what is that what is that Peter goes I know who that is. I've been here before, déjà vu. This was, and he don't he, he don't ask for nothing. He dives in the water and sweet so takes off his clothes and he goes skinny dipping to Jesus, man. He just takes off. You know what he's really saying? I'm taken off the old man. I'm taken off the old junk. I'm taking off what was behind me and I'm pressing on what lies ahead. I just got to get to Jesus. I've been here before. You know what? You have to. You've been down this same road and you keep going down the same road, the same distractions, the same falls, the same hurdles. When all in fact, you need to do is just move all that junk out of the way and fix your eyes on Jesus and just take off to him and watch this here's why last thing last thing and we're done we're going home not only are we a work in progress that we have to keep getting up and not only because there's a clear picture and a clear perspective ahead of me Jesus just Jesus but also also also. I love this part there's a clear promise Philippians, Paul once again writing to the church at Philippi in verses uh, chapter 1 and 6. It says, being confident of this very thing. I have to do that when I say that verse. I have to say, this very thing. It just feels like there's an authority in this moment, in this day. Quit living off of yesterday's blessings and yesterday's glory and what God did back then. And live on this moment. Have a right now faith. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in me over here will also complete it until the day of Jesus Christ over here. You see, the reality is I don't have to perform. I don't have to finish the race. You know what the reality is? is Every one of you just needs to fall to your face and say, I'm done. And just fall over and kill over in your humanity and in your flesh and say, I'm done. I mean, I am giving up. I'm done. Is it working? How many of you are just tired? Come on now, don't don't be... How many of you are tired? I'm talking spiritually, physically, emotionally. Just wore out. Quit trying to do it yourself. Quit trying to finish the race, because you can't. You've already been disqualified. It's gonna go down in history that you're guilty. You're done, you did not finish the race. He stepped in. He jumped the wall. He didn't worry about the naysayers. Jesus was beaten, he was bruised, the hair was pulled from his face. He was called a blasphemer. He didn't listen to none of that junk. You think it was cool that Jim Redmond jumped down and started moving the guys out of the way? Jesus just parted the the river of people and just kept walking to the finished work of the cross. And then he came down and he picked you up in your humanity and your failure and your dirt and your crime and all the hopelessness and he picked you up and he says, "Hey, and you know what you said? I don't want to finish this race. I'm tired." He said, no, 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 we can finish it together. There's a race ahead, and the race ahead, there's a lot of people watching. There are people watching you, church member. There are people watching you, child of God. you got to finish. Some of you are in this room today, and you started the race, man, like a racehorse out of the gate. You're sprinting, and you're running. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory to God. Every every common spiritual vernacular you could spew out. And now today, you're just like this dragging your spiritual leg behind you. How about just get real with God? Fall down here at the feet of Jesus and be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in me. In me. A good work. Me. I'm nobody. David, he started good work in me. He will also complete it. You don't have to do it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, we get to this point every week and some of you will sit there. Some of you will just not be moved. Some of you will want so desperately, so desperately to get up. And you're terrified and I get it. 1992, I sat in the church and I held on to the pew in front of me. My fingernails are still probably carved into that wood. And I, everything in me wanted to get up. And I was terrified, but there was something in me, something so big and so vast it couldn't contain it. And it was the Holy Spirit of God. And He said, Mark, if you'll just take one step for me, I will take the rest until you die. While you're sitting there, do you know Jesus as the Lord of your life today? Do you know Him personally, intimately? If you don't, would you pray with me right now from your heart to God? Just pray this prayer in faith and by His grace. Father in heaven, I am a sinner. I believe in Jesus. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Forgive all my sin. Jesus, will you save me? Redeem me. And help me to live for you jesus name i pray Let every head bow and every eye close if you prayed today and invited jesus into your heart lift your hand right now don't be afraid lift your hand god bless you ma'am anyone else lift your hand sir i see your hand lift your hands anyone else two or three people have raised their hand There's another one there. God bless you. Hey, here's the deal. While your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, I want to give you an invitation today. While we're all looking down, while our eyes are closed, is your life in turmoil? Have you fallen down on your face? Right now, Jesus is picking you up. I want you, if you are believing God for something big in your life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your faith, whether it's your joy, whether it's your finances, whether it's your home, whether it's your children, I want you to do something right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give you one opportunity and one only. There are people down here that are praying with you. I'm standing right here in the center of the room if you just want to come and shake my hand just to say to God God, I'm going to keep on I'm going to keep pushing and I'm believing God that you're going to finish the race in me if you will right now right now on the count of three if that's you, come one, two, three, come right now, come everybody in the room should be moving everybody should be believing God for something bigger than what they're seeing right now the Bible says eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor has entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love Him If you want to just keep sitting on the same old, same old, just sit tight and worship Him. But if you want to see something big, if you're about to get married, you better come. If your marriage is in trouble, you better come. If your finances are in trouble, come. But no matter what, don't you sit there. God is saying, I'm picking you up and I'm coming with you. What are you going to do today?